As the choir has sung us in, we continue and begin another season of Advent, another season of waiting. Now, many of us are used to waiting. With Thanksgiving over, many of us are waiting for Christmas now. School kids and those without a car wait for the bus. Students wait for tests and papers to come back, and they wait for grades each quarter and semester. We wait for test results after medical procedures and physical exams. We wait at stoplights and to check out at the grocery store. We wait for exciting moments like the birth of a new cousin or the next book in a favorite series. And we wait for distressing moments like the final sign that a relationship is ending or that a loved one's health will not improve. Waiting is an ordinary part of our everyday lives. And sometimes our period of waiting is fairly brief. And other times we can be stuck waiting for what seems like an unbearable stretch of time. We are all waiting for something. Now, as I continue to read reports about the war in Ukraine, and I pray and wait for peace, I think about the family I know best from that part of the world. Now, I've already shared with you how the church family in Clemens, North Carolina, sponsored a refugee family when I was in middle school, the Sarkisovs. The three generations of the Sarkisov family taught me about the power of hope while waiting. They fled their home in Baku, Azerbaijan, and waited near Chernobyl in Ukraine for years until they could come to the United States. Their lives were much like ours before they left. The grandfather and his son, Alex, were both engineers. Alex's mother was a professor of French literature, and his wife, Anessa, was an economist. Their son, Boris, was a typical toddler. And then one day began like most, but ended life as they had known it. Word spread in their community that people with guns were coming after Armenians and they were forced to leave their home within an hour. They rushed home, packed a few essentials quickly, and left everything else behind as persecuted Armenian Christians. Now, they rarely shared the details of their years waiting in between their home in Baku and resettling in Clemens. I do know that for a time, the five family members shared one room and a small kitchen with at least 10 other families. Grandpa Sakersov, that's what I called him, Grandpa got sick during those years, and he never fully recovered. 
They waited for years to get the clearance to come to the United States, and our church family in Clemens waited for months and months to welcome them. And once they arrived, the family never stopped sharing their gratitude. They came to church every Sunday, and every week, Grandma Sarkisov would leave her red lipstick mark on the cheeks of every usher. Thank you, thank you, she would exclaim in between each handshake and hug. The Sarkisov family taught me about what it means to truly wait with their lives in the balance. And they modeled what waiting with hope looks like. Now today we have two texts that point to the faithful work of waiting, watching, and hoping. As the season of Advent begins, we pay attention to how God is both already with us and yet not fully. We get glimpses of how God is at work among us. In my neighborhood, on Thanksgiving, teenagers were joyfully cheering on the lawn of fresh anointing cathedral welcoming anyone who was driving by to stop for free meals. Now, one neighbor walked by my house with his lunch carefully cradled in his arms, and he told me how grateful he was for his Thanksgiving blessing. A glimmer of God at work in Highland Park. Glimmers of God at work were on present on a high school football field recently in Pennsylvania. Maybe you heard the story too. The final matchup of the season between Coatesville High School and Avon Grove came just days after Avon Grove's Gavin Picard was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And just as the game ended, Gavin's rivals from Coatesville carried a surprise for him across the 50-yard line, showing their support with balloons, hugs, and sportsmanship, with an impact far beyond the game. Gavin later described the moment, it made my month, and it just made me feel better. God is present here with us today in glimpses and glimmers. And yet, God's reign and rule are not our reality. Both our text from the prophet Isaiah and today's text from the Gospel of Matthew proclaim this complex truth. Isaiah reiterates that we trust in the God of creation the God of Noah, Moses, and the prophets, of Rahab, Ruth, and Esther. And yet we still seek the presence and wisdom of God. Now listen to these words from the Gospel of Matthew, from the 24th chapter, as Jesus teaches about the unknown return of the Son of God. 
But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Whew. So let's begin with some good news and clarity from this passage. According to this teaching of Jesus, only God knows the day and time when Jesus will return. The angels aren't in the loop, and even the Son is unaware. We are in good company when we acknowledge that we don't know when Christ will return. So there is no need to waste time or energy in trying to calculate God's timing here. Only God knows, and we are not privy to God's planning. Jesus makes this clear. And he offers us good news, reminding us that God is God and we are not. And then Jesus goes on to offer different examples of people caught off guard during their everyday ordinary lives. During Noah's time before the flood, with two men working in a field and two women grinding meal, and a homeowner before a thief breaks in. These people are all going about their normal everyday lives unaware of what is to come before things change. Like the dear Sarkisov family, their morning begins like any other day until life changes dramatically. Jesus makes it clear to the disciples and to us today that we don't know and can't know the timing of his return. We can't mark our calendars or count down to when Christ comes back. We, too, have to wait. And Jesus makes it clear that we don't know when, and yet he also teaches his followers to be ready. We are called to wait, to stay awake and alert, and to watch. 
in order to be ready to welcome Christ back, we are called to work and pray, to worship and hope while we wait. Jesus goes on to teach the disciples in the following stories how they are to be faithful as they live and wait, as they work and hope. This discourse ends with a passage that guides the life and ministry of this congregation today, Matthew 25. Now, you remember, the people are divided into two groups, those who fed and clothed and visited and served the least of these, and those who did not. Neither group knew that how they treated their neighbors reflected how they treated Jesus. But the teaching of Jesus is clear here too. We are called to serve our neighbors right here as if we are serving Christ. While we wait for Christ to return, we stay ready by serving our neighbors and sharing God's love. So as our church calendar turns towards Advent, what are we really waiting for? What does the return of Christ look like for you? What kind of radical change is possible when God is in charge? What are we hoping for this Advent? New Testament scholar David Bartlett writes on this Matthew text, For the Bible and for the church, life is a tale told by a strong and sovereign God, enacted according to God's pleasure. It is full of both judgment and grace, and it moves toward the time when God will make all things new. In the church, we hope for people to be able to trust in the future without controlling or even knowing the details of what is yet to come. All our hope is founded on God. I'm going to say that again, if not for you, then for me. In the church, we hope for people to be able to trust in the future without controlling or even knowing the details of what is yet to come. All our hope is founded in God. Now, Isaiah offers a vision of my hope of what is yet to come a time when nation will not destroy other nations in war or threaten with nuclear weapons, a time when countries will honor creation so that all creation can heal, thrive, and flourish. I am hoping for a time when people will turn their spears into pruning hooks, and their AK-15s and assault rifles into garden tools. A time when college campuses and communities, our country and families will not have to grieve due to gun violence anymore. 
Like Isaiah, I am hoping for a day when God's people will gather together seeking the wisdom of God, the will of God, and to walk in the ways of God. I hope for the Prince of Peace to return, unifying God's people to care for each other and for creation. I hope for a second incarnation to inspire us to peace and justice, compassion and kindness, unity and delight that seems impossible and unimaginable today. I hope for God's dream of a new heaven and a new earth to become our reality so that we respond with hope and joy, with delight and encouragement, saying, O house of Jacob, O second church, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Beloved, as Advent begins this week, we are waiting and watching for God to surprise us with hopes and dreams of God's peace to come. May it be so. Let us pray with these words from Padre Otuma. God of promises, sometimes we wait generations for the dawn from on high, sometimes only years. We wait for justice and hope and light and kindness to mingle in the tangle of our days and we age while we hope. So may we age and hope with tenderness and truth, because you, O oh God, are tender and true, even though we sometimes wonder. Amen. Amen. <laughs>